Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. Today, I am joined by a PGA Hall of Famer, a PGA legend. I'm honored you were sitting here in the studio today, Mr. Vijay Singh. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on here today. You know, Vijay has won 34 events on the PGA Tour, including three major championships, one Masters in 2000, and two PGA Championships in 98 and 04. He's the first person of South Asian descent to win a major championship. He was elected to the World Golf Hall of Fame in 2006. He also reached world number one rankings in the official World Golf Rankings for 32 weeks in 2004 and 2005. VJ was the 12th man to reach the world number one ranking and was the only new world number one during the 2000 decades. Singh was the leading PGA Tour money winner in 03, 04, and 08. And he's also captured the FedEx Cup in 2008. To say the least, you've done a lot. So <laughs> that's uh, quite a resume. And I don't, I think I had to condense it. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So again, thanks for taking time to, uh, you know, be on our show. And, and I know you're in town for a short period of time. So I appreciate you coming in here. And uh, it's again, it's just an honor to have you on the show today. Good, Nice to be here. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, I, I, I go through all of that. That's a lot to unpack on there. But one of the things I kind of want to start with from the very beginning is I, you know, I always wonder, like I see you guys on TV. And obviously I always say to my wife and I hear other people say, man, they make it look so easy, but <laughs> it started somewhere, man. So talk to us a little bit. Like, when did you know you wanted to become a pro golfer? Like, how does that even start? Like we pick up, I mean, where does it go? How do you do it? Well, my dad was a player uh, and I had two brothers, older brothers that played golf as well. And in Fiji where we grew up, uh, there was nothing much to do. Either play soccer, play rugby, which is the main sport in Fiji. Mm-hmm. And golf was uh, another way of making money for young kids. You go out there, caddy, so I did that, and my obviously my dad really loved the game, and uh, he taught me how to play, me, my brothers, and uh, just took it over from there. Oh, well, that's fantastic. So your dad was your teacher growing up? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He didn't really teach me all the angles and all that. He just said, you know, here's the club, and keep your head down and hit it. And, <laughs> you know, the, the, I, I, yeah, well, I learned most of it by watching, uh, you know, other, other players. Uh, we used to have small events, you know, the golf pros from Australia and New Zealand that came over and played Pro-Am. So. Okay. And they had, you know, obviously I took tips from them and, uh, you know, magazines. We didn't have TV at that time. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's how I kind of picked it up. Yeah. So, I mean, you almost, I mean, between your dad, reading magazines, watching people, mm-hmm. borderline self-taught between you pretty and your Pretty much, dad. yeah. In the beginning yeah. I was. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, learning to read the greens, all of that, all self-taught. Well, the greens were kind of a little different in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of the, some, some of the fairways out here better, was better than our greens we played on, you know? So, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's come a long ways from where I actually learned how to play golf. But, you know, going up to Australia early in my age, uh, in my career, that was big help. Mm-hmm. And I knew from probably when I was 15, 16 that I wanted to be a pro, you know. So, wow. yeah, I wanted to make it a living. So someone 15, 16 years old, like what type of dedication are you putting in this? I mean, I've, I've read where you are a, yeah, I've read and I've heard from people, you are a very special person when it comes to practicing. Like a lot of people don't want to practice. Like I just want to play. But you're known for your practicing. Well, that's the point because when I was growing up, you know, having no teacher, you mm-hmm. need to learn how to hit the ball. And it's easy to hit the ball, but to hit the ball where you look in <laughs> and, you know, want, where you want the ball to go, that's the main thing. So the only way for me to succeed was just to hit balls and, and hit balls and hit balls and make sure that you know where the ball ball was going. I had a lot of flows in my golf swing, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, you know, if you watch my golf swing when I was growing up and now it's huge different because I had no nobody to actually guide me to what I was doing. So it's all by watching and, and actually looking at other people and that's how I learned. So Yeah, I just want to paint the picture for our audience. Think about what, what he's saying. 
watching my swing, adapting to it. You didn't have an iPhone where you could record your swing. You didn't have an iPad. You didn't have someone in the background. So what were you, you would literally try to imitate someone else's swing. Is that what you would do? Yeah. And, you know, I had a brother that always, we practiced together. You know, Mm -hmm. he was two years older than me and we kind of watched each other. You know, he had a much better golf swing. You either kind of have a good golf swing or you don't, you know, and... (laughs) Uh, you know, I don't, if, by the if way. You, if you, you know, if you look at Fury, if you look at uh, Trevino, they had mm-hmm. their own kind of golf swing. So they learned how to play with that golf swing and I learned how to play with mine. So, you know, and as I got older, you know, I, I've see, I saw, you know, teachers that, you know, from time to time, hey, you know, what's my golf swing? See what you see. And they tell me a few things and I just go and practice. And, you know, actually working on the, on the range kind of helped me a lot because... If I get a tip from somebody, I go and make sure that I get it down, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you, you can actually tell if it's a good thing for you or no. You know, a lot of people tell you a lot of stuff. You don't really have to listen to all those stuff and actually, you know, take it in. You, you know, you pick out what you want and throw away the rest. Yeah, no, I can see that. You know, for me, golf's just, you know, they always say it's a game of inches, but it's so much to take in, so oh, much yeah. data to take in. So if someone could say one thing, throw you off the whole day. Right. I mean, you know, then was diff- uh, different. I mean, you you, you kind of listen to people because that's the only way you can actually know what, you know, how to learn. Mm-hmm. Now, if he tells you something, you can actually tell your, you know, I mean, right now, if I'm in the golf course alone and there's a ball guy there just, you know, picking up balls, I say, hey, can you come and take a video of my swing? And I can see what I'm doing, you know. Uh, then, like you said, it, it was all feel and, you know, find it in the dirt kind of thing, so... Man, that's pretty amazing. I, I couldn't imagine. So how many hours do you think did you practice a day? Yeah, I've always been curious this when I hear about that. How many times yeah, well, does a pro it practice? It kind of varies, really. I mean, right now, I mean, over here, you, you hit the balls, you don't really worry about picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to find balls to hit. Right. You know, I, I, I used to hit some really crappy balls. I mean, and you have to hit it and then go go pick it up and, you know, hit, you know <laughs> clean it up and then hit it again. So... You know, a whole whole day's workout would not really mean by hitting balls all day. You know, it's, it requires picking the balls up. And, you know, if you hit it all over the place, it takes you a long time to yeah. pick up the balls. So. Yeah, that counts as part yeah, of the practice. I mean, you'd, I'd go and practice all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd have breakfast, you know, and then just uh, eat something and just go and beat balls. And unless we are playing the golf course, we'll just keep hitting balls and... You know, you meet friends uh, along the way, other pros, you know, and all you do is just beat balls. I used to go and, when I was in PJ, I used to go and find balls, you know, and, and the good ones you keep as a practice and uh, you know, have a whole bag full of it. And, uh, man, I watched that ball so many times, there was <laughs> no more dimples left on them, you know. <laughs> but they were white balls, so yeah. you, you put it out there and hit it, you know. So that's what, that's, you know, that's how I got here. Well, that's uh, that's uh, definitely not lost art. I mean, you've <laughs> you put in the time ever, as the resume shows. You know, ninety three, you enter and you become rookie of the year in mm-hmm. at the PGA. What was that like entering at that time in ninety three? I mean, when you entered in ninety three, you know, y- you walk in there, you know, with your with your your background, and you're walking into a field here. You know, what was that like? How intimidated were you, or were you not intimidated at all? You're like, let's go do this. Well, I played, you know, I, I turned pro when I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And then what was 93? I was probably 27, 28, somewhere there. Uh, and I played in Asia. I played in Europe. I won tournaments. I had already won Quite tournaments in Europe. Yeah. yeah. So I played in Europe for six years. So And when I first came here, I was 92. And I played the first tournament, finished second in Bay Hill. So 
I finished second in Bay Hill. I, I think I finished fourth in Memorial. It was different times. And then I played two other events, uh, finished seventh and something else, and I got my tour card. So that's how I came and you know got my full exemption and played 93 and won in the first year. Well, I mean, it was a um, 93 rookie of the year did pretty darn well mm. about that. You know, throughout throughout your career, I'm sure there are just numerous things that you can go to. But in that first, let's say that first five years, like what was the most thrilling moment of your career? So well, be winning, 90, 93 to 98. Like, what well, was winning like? the first tournament was big for me. Yeah. You know, that, uh, you know, when I turned pro, my whole intention was to make a living. I mean, you know, Coming from a Pacific island, you know, <laughs> I think you, you have to that. make a yeah. living. Yeah, you know, uh, work, mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even in in Australia, a lot of guys they just want to make make a living out mm -hmm. of playing golf. I mean, if you get good enough, obviously there's other intentions. But my goal was to make a good living, and even when I first came in, you know, '93, my whole idea or goal was to keep my tour card. It was first year. Yeah. Once I got it, yeah, I want to hold on to it. Get, yeah, yeah. So, but when I won, then it kind of opened all the doors. You get three years, then was three years. So then you're free to play, kind of frees up your game, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, gets your mind in a little bit of peace. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you just go go ahead and just play. And uh, from then on, it was like, how many tournaments can I win? You know, and practice was all I did. I mean, I just, I was so determined to play well and, you know, to beat everybody. And that's all I did. Yes. And that, I, I guess that's how my mindset is, you know. I just go out there and I just don't want anyone to beat me, you know. So, and that's internally, that's how I feel, mm -hmm. you know. And the only way to do that is to be ready. Yeah. You know, you, you've you been known to have a competitor's just very mindset sometimes where some people made it the mistake or made the misconception that you might be closed off, but it just appears based on this, you're just so damn focused that you're like, I don't have time for that. Yeah, I mean... You can be, you know, very social and that kind of takes away your focus from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. you know, I would just go and just practice and don't even want to talk to anybody, <laughs> you know. I mean, many a times, you know, when Cass and even my wife and, you know, they'd be yelling at me during a tournament and, I, you know, I'm so focused that I don't even really know who's... You don't who's even acknowledge you yeah. there. <laughs> so uh, that's the way I've always been, you know, and I think that's why I became good. Yeah, no, there's not a doubt. I mean, focus definitely led to the results mm -hmm. there. So, you know, who would you say was your most challenging opponent during your career? Like who, 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 A, was the most challenging, but also raised your game, like forced you to be at another level? Well, I had different... Uh, different generations of players. Yeah. You know, I played with Norman, you know. When I first went to Europe, you know, I had few practice rounds with Jack Nicholas. And, you know, you kind of look at them and say, wow, I'm playing with Jack yeah. Nicholas, you know. So you kind of learn from that. And, and you know, you got, you know, Ballesteros era, you got Nick Faldo's era, they're mm -hmm. kind of similar. And then and then you got Tiger's era, you know. So kind of every everybody kind of challenged me in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, but the only thing was, I mean, Tiger's era was really tough because he was dominant, you know, throughout his career. So you, I kind of thought that he was the one to beat all the time, you know, with Phil there as well and mm -hmm. Ernie Els was in that uh, same generation. So... Those are the t guys that I always fought against, you know, and they were good players. I mean, they were tough players to beat, I mean, especially Tiger. I mean, he was, you know, when he gets his game right, I mean, you got to be on, otherwise you're going to finish second. So. 
<laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, I couldn't imagine competing against that field. And, you know, when, like to your point, when Tiger came in, that wasn't at the beginning of your career. So it's tough. To, would you say it's tougher to battle that generation when they come in and, you know, they're, they're on their, they're on the, the younger side of their career and you're in the midst of your career. Is it tougher to keep up with that or is it really doesn't matter at all? Well, then, uh, you know, when I was at my prime, you know, 30, 35 was when you really played well. Mm -hmm. You know, they, those are times like you, if you go back and see when Faldo and Nicholas and all these guys were really playing well, it was in the 30s. But when Tiger and a few other guys that came ahead after that, you know, it was kind of like late late thirties, uh, late twenties, you know, mid twenties. Now, shit, I mean, they <laughs> it's twenties, you know, right. they start to play well. So it it, it has changed. The better players coming out of college, and they straight away they're ready to play. So, uh, you know, generation wise, I, I think it's gone younger where the guys are getting better now. So. Would, would you say that's because maybe some kids are growing up now with a club in their hand when they're three years old? I mean, when you see those stories about some of these guys, like like you know your, yourself and Tiger, you know, you guys are getting clubs in your hand younger, and you see these 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 stories about that. But I mean, right now, there's generations of kids right. that are playing the game and adapting. Well, I mean, to they have other. so much uh, young golfing, you know, tournaments. Mm -hmm. You know, you got a, a you know like drive, chip, and putt. All the kids are just dying to get to Augusta and just to do that. Just do you know, that. Yeah. And, and I think the parents are putting their kids into golf younger and younger. So USGA have got programs where, you know, you can go to any club and, and be part of a, a, a organization where you, you play golf, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I tried to get my son Cass to, you know, do that. And he was just not interested to go into any kind of uh, competition, you know, in his early age. So, that's where I think the young kids are getting better now. I mean, if they if they if they love the game, you know, they just keep at it. And um, you know, going to college, they already know how to play the game. They can just go from college straight into tournament and not worry about you know how they're going to perform. Yeah, you know, in twenty twenty five years ago, that didn't exist. No, no, that type of platform didn't know, exist. I'm, and you know, the thing about golf that that I've noticed with my son, I put a club in his hand when he was sub five years old, mm -hmm. and we played in a couple of tournaments when he was six, seven such a mental game for them too at that age right you know well the competition's so early now so, so early. yeah i mean and they play gosh i mean they play every every two weeks there's a tournament for them right from the very early age from 10 11 12 you know <laughs> and they fight against their own uh, age group yeah you know so and and once they get into high school and colleges they it's always a competition for them right and that's how they become better and that's how their mindset is and it's all competition so and you know and even at that age i'll tell you this they don't hold back in, in golf. Like, you know, you see like soccer and you see baseball. Right. Everybody gets the trophy at the end of the season. It isn't like that in right. those leagues you're referring to. They, <laughs> right. they place you first, second, third, fourth. If you're fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, yeah, you're yeah. on the outside looking in. Plus, I mean, they got a lot of, uh, they, can, they can watch golf anytime they want now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can watch it in their iPhones, you know. And, and also, also, I think the most important thing is they got, very good coaches right now you know whenever they i mean every kid has got a coach right it doesn't matter how old you are you, you you know go and see a club pro or a pro at your at your course and they have good teaching you know they have good uh, stable teaching they get good foundation earlier on and then they take it up from there well they got the they got access to anything right, right now right. so you know that kind of leads me to my next question technology in the game you know right. what what are your thoughts on the technology now versus your 93 rookie year. What's the, what is <laughs> that club? Was, what, is, I, what are the clubs doing? Well, I mean, I grew up playing with wooden drivers, you know. <laughs> I, I grew up playing with a lot of balls that, you know, 
I mean, you put a wooden driver and a ballad ball in a college kid now, I mean, they have to really learn how to play the game again. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, I just hope that, you know, they get the ball a little bit back and, you know, make the drivers a little smaller where, you know, like the early ages of, of, the, of the metal woods, mm-hmm. you know, the tailor-made that came up with the metal woods, they were really small. I was actually yesterday in my gym and I was looking at one of the Callaway three woods. I mean, they look so tiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, even the five woods and seven woods are, you know, bigger than that. So, right. you know, that's why the kids are better now too. I mean, they go up there and they have a driver that has a head that is, you know, 460, you know, cc's and they can just hit it. They cannot miss the ball. Right, it's right. going to go somewhere. Right. So I think the equipment has made a big difference. And... Nowadays, the game of golf is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was just watching the US, US Open and, the, and guys are shooting 62s on a golf course that's supposed to be hard. But the fairways are wider and, and the ball just goes further. So no matter how long you make the golf course, the guys are just going to hit it further. Yeah. You know, so you got you to tighten the golf course or do things to the golf course that take, takes their driver out of their hands. You know, I mean, if you miss the fairway, you got to be penalized. Right. Now they don't care. They just bomb <laughs> it up there and... You know, I'm hitting the ball as long as I did in my heyday right now, and I'm 60 years old, so that should tell you something. You At know? the club. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's all about equipment. So, you know, do you think they're, um, do you think they're basically sculpting the course for TV ratings? Not really doing that. I think they just don't want guys to make bogeys and, mm-hmm. you know, and pars, you know. They just, they just want excitement. Right. I mean, like, look at Augusta for once, you know. I mean... Th- on Sundays, they just want guys to make birdies. And I mean, if you're one or two shot ahead in Augusta, you, you're not a guaranteed winner. No, not you got to bring it on, on, <laughs> on Sundays. So that's what they, they want. They want excitement. People doesn't want to sit in their chair at home, watch guys making bogeys and, you know, doubles. So right. they want birdies and eagles and that's, that's all entertainment now. Yeah, you know? it is. So, yeah, so. It really is. And so do you think not only the club, but are, are, is the ball drastically different too with technology oh, yeah. on that? I mean, I, I found... I was hitting balls uh, probably beginning of the year at home and I found some professional balls, professional titles that are, that was 95, 96 okay. and, and I must have had 10 dozens of it. So I took it out and I said, I'm going to hit it. So the ball, I was measuring ball speed and my ball speed with, with a with a good uh, tailor-made ball was, you know, if I really go at it, I was getting it to 176 uh, ball speed, Dang. 175, you know. And then I put, uh, took the professional tireless out and it was 152, 153. <laughs> so that, that, that should tell you, I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. Significant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and granted the balls were old, I mean, it, I may have made it to 160, but 160 to 176. I mean, Still for me, difference. that's a huge. That's that's 20 yards, 25 yards yeah. in, in in carry. So, you know, that's that's the big difference. I mean, the golf courses are way longer now than when we played it, mm-hmm. and that's because of the equipment. So, yeah, no, and that the, makes sense. And the guys are stronger. Yeah, you know? the guys are you know huge. I mean, they're not they're not skinny little guys anymore. One or two guys, maybe yeah, but they all work out. I mean, working out when I was growing up, working out doing weights was it was like taboo mm-hmm. for golfers. You know, you you wait, you lift weights, you're not gonna have any feel left. That's what they told us, you know. But I worked out. Lucky enough, I was working out from a very early age, and I just thought that you know, to get to hit the ball far, to get strong, you you need to be a strong person. So 
Yeah, you know, you're right. You do see like the the, the specimen of golfer oh, yeah. has changed now. I mean, in their physique, they're oh, yeah. they're all physically fit. And, and uh, yeah, and big. Are they bigger humongous. now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, humongous. So, I mean, I was watching Rory hit the ball. I mean, he he looks so strong, and Bruce Kapka and Dustin Johnson, and you know, all these guys. I mean, they they bomb it. I yeah, mean, they really. And you don't realize how big they are till you see them in person. Oh, yeah, exactly, and you're like, yeah. holy cow, these are these are yeah. huge. I mean, look at Tiger when he first came on. He was skinny, skinny. little dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you know, as two, three, four years later, I mean, he was like a running back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so true. Yeah. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com, www.boemortgage.com, because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. When I first structured this agenda, one of the things I was going to ask you was, do you ever think LIV and PGA would coexist? And then here we are today. Here we are today. Man, Monahan, you know, has has merged these two organizations together. You know, what's your what's your first take on that? Well, it's not merged yet. I mean, yeah, they 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 they, true. they they're talking, right. you know. They said they're gonna be a partnership. So we don't really know what the what the real deal is all gonna be about. Um, I think I, I feel really sad in one way uh, for the players that didn't go. Oh, I completely you agree. You know, they they lost all these opportunities to make a lot of money. You know. Because they were really true to the tour, mm-hmm. you know, they were faithful. They they believed in the tour, and all of a sudden, it just flipped. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, makes you sick yourself. Yeah. Cam Smith looks like the smartest right, dude in the I room know. right now. Yeah, you know, and Phil Mickelson, for that matter, sure. And Bryson December. I mean, they made and kept going. List yeah. goes on and on. And uh, and I, I I don't feel bad for anybody, but I just feel bad for the guys that did not go. You know, had opportunities to go. But it's it just blew everybody's mind away. I mean, this this uh, what they did, you know, day after nobody knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of things involved in it. I think you know, I think if, uh, the PGA Tour uh, they were pressured because they had already spent a whole lot of money in in lawyers and legal fees, legal fees, yeah. and uh, and it was going to go on and on and on because the. The Saudis were not going to back off. Well, well they had four trillion dollars no. to work they, with. Yeah, and they, <laughs> you know, they were just going to fight it until, you know, I I heard from some source that they were going to go on until the PGA Tour was going to go broke. Yeah, yeah, and they had the money and, to outrun that, and it was very close to doing that. I mean, they spent over a million, a hundred million dollars in purses to raise their purses just to make it attractive, because of the Lyft Tour. They spent over a hundred million dollars in legal fees. And that's a lot of money. A lot. And, uh, you know, so, and if they were going to keep doing that, they were going to, you know, imagine PGA Tour going 
broke. Right. And I think their hand was uh, pushed a little bit too, because they, if they did not do that, you know, one, they were going to lose the tour, and then what was going to happen to the players? And then the another thing was it was uh, time to have uh, I think it was very close for discovery time mm-hmm. for the both uh, councils and the PGA Tour was not going to show their books to anybody <laughs> and the Saudis obviously they were not going to show the books to nobody you right. know especially the Americans you absolutely know? and uh, I think it was pressured by the government as well I think that's my opinion I heard few rumors as well that mm-hmm. they were you know they wanted some kind of a solution. Yeah, and and you know it also got rid of the whole monopoly antitrust situation right. that was going on out and there. And I think as well. uh, you know Monahan's ha- uh, cards were already dealt. He yeah. he, he was not going to win with that. And I, if he he had, no, I, I don't think end of the day he did not have a choice. And it obviously it's sad that you know it came out like that. I don't think any any player on on tour right now really believes and trusts him. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know I don't. I don't blame him for getting some kind of an anxiety attack right now. Or he's, I think he's medically, yep. you know. Kind of has like what Urban Meyer had there a little bit, that anxiety, that yeah, stress level. Yeah, stress level must be, you know, I don't know what, what he's got. Uh, hopefully he's, it's not too bad, you know, and they come out of it okay. So, you know, what does that say like for, for someone like Monaghan, you know, obviously this is probably adding to the stress, but I mean, he said some pretty bad stuff about LIV. And I mean, granted, he's saying, oh, that's the information that was delivered to me at yeah, that time. I but I mean, some of that stuff, there's no coming back I, from. I, I think he was true to himself by saying that. I, he believed in it. You know, he, he was totally against the LIV and mm-hmm. a lot of players were. And like I said, he was he had no choice but to make this uh, merger, which, whichever way you call it. I think he had no choice. I mean... But, you know, he did not go to the meeting and explain to the guys, sorry, you know, this has happened. I was, I had no choice. Right. But I think he went to the meeting saying, explaining himself why he did, you know, he, he, he was trying to be the head honcho there. And instead of saying, hey, listen, I had no choice. Yeah. I'm trying to save you. Um, yeah, exactly. And he did not tell tell the right stuff yeah. from what I heard. Yeah, and that yeah, backlashed yeah, on yeah, him pretty yeah, badly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think there's a lot of fear? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of fear of those players that 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 had that backlash because now they're playing on the tour. Right. And there's, how does that go if these other players take their spot? Like, how do they maintain their spot? I don't know spot? what the what the thing will be. I, I'm I'm sure the guys that did not go as, are going to get, uh, you know, compensated financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few guys... You know, some of the guys were going to be paid, like Matsuyama, although he's not American, but he was going to be paid close to, you know, three, four hundred thousand, a million dollars. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, a few other guys were going to be pay, paid a lot. And they said, no, they were true to their word. And they were going to, they're going to get compensated from what I heard. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's it's going to be okay. I, I think I think this is good for for the game. It's going to make the competition better. It's going to get the, get every side together now. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, one thing I don't understand is why the tour was so much against it instead of working with them in, instead of just you know fighting totally. Agreed. Yeah, and you know, it's like opening a new burger joint next to McDonald's. I mean, why, why can't anybody do that? Right. You know, this is America. You're supposed to do whatever, you know, as long as you don't break the rules. They didn't break any rules. You know, the only thing they did was they paid players to come in. Yeah, they play. poached yeah, players yeah, with yeah, higher yeah. money. Yeah. So that's that's what 
the sad thing was, but they otherwise the players would not have gone. So, yeah. yeah, you know, the, they always say competition breeds success. Right. So that's right. all that was. You know, what what do you, what do you think about the? How can I say this? What do you think about the 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 not the sanctions, but let's call it sanctions that Mane imposed on some of these players. Like, I mean, we live here in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. It's clear if you go to the TPC and you go to the clubhouse. There's no sign of Cam Smith in the right, clubhouse. Right, right. Like, I mean, was that a little too much? That, that was that, that was too much. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. He was so against the Leaf Tour from the beginning, and I don't blame him. He was supporting the players, and a lot of players were against it too. But you know, that doing that was you know it was sad. The mm-hmm. only thing that was flying was the, the Australian flag. You know, the rest of it <laughs> right. was out. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. But he still won the tournament. Right. And he, there's no he, sign he, of him right. there. And and from what I heard also that they, the guys that are going to come back are going to get fined heavily. Really? Yeah. Okay. So they have to, you know, I don't know what the fine's going to be. It's not going to be one or two thousand dollars. That's yep. for sure. And you know, which is which is sad. I, you know, and and Moynihan will be the only guy that's going to say yes if you can come back or no, you cannot. Which is another, you know, lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> you know. Why wouldn't if if the tours are all together? Why why, why wouldn't everybody yeah, get an automatic yeah, just opportunity? Yeah. You know, was is a solution just make them all requalify? I don't know what the procedure is going to be. Um, they have to, you know, how can he not have Bruce Kepka play now? I just wonder, right. you know, just <laughs> won just right. won the, the championship for PGA Championship. PGA Championship, yep. so second gives, in the Masters, right? Second, and he's, that already qualifies him to play. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's the. That's the rule that says that if you win the PGA, you're going to be exempt for five years. You know? Right. So I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. They must have a plan, and hopefully every everything's going to be worked out. So. What do you think happens to Greg Norman? I think he's going to stay on until this year and then leave. Yeah. Um, I don't think he works with the tour very well. <laughs> <laughs> what gives you that impression? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, from from the very early uh, ages, going back twenty years, he was the one that wanted a world tour, mm-hmm. and you know, then we got those world championships. Not because the tour wanted it, you know, it, they thought about the idea, and it came from Greg, you know. And he has he has some great ideas, but I don't think he went about the right way to do it, you know. Or the tour did not want to talk to him for some reason, you right? Know? So, I mean, if they had talked to Greg from beginning, or Greg had gone to them, I think he did try, but you know, there's, you know, there's, there must be some kind of a friction between Greg and the tour, you know, that's been going on for a while. So. Yeah, it's. I think there's a, a long history of yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of disdain taste mm-hmm. amongst one party, amongst the other. So, of all the courses you played, what was your favorite one? You know, Pebble is one of my best. Uh, you know, it's tough. It, it's the the location of it, but the views that you know, on a on a fine day you cannot beat Pebble. I mean, it's you, you know go up the go up the hill on 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 six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, it's just like wow, you, you're in a different world. Yeah. You know? So that that that's probably one of my favorite ones. And then obviously the Masters. You know, Augusta is. It's nothing like Augusta. I mean, you can go and play there when there's not a tournament. But if you arrive there during the tournament, it's a different golf course. I mean, it's. I mean, even the pine cones are placed <laughs> perfectly. I mean, <laughs> nothing's out of place. You know, I mean, you say, hey, did they actually put the pine cone there, or was it? You know, <laughs> did they actually fall there? It's everything is just so pristine. You know, I mean, it's just perfect. So, I believe that yeah. Jim Nance recreated 
a hole from the Masters in his backyard. Have you seen him? Do, have you seen no, that? No, I have not. I saw uh, on Peyton's place, mm-hmm. he traveled to Jim Nance's house right. and he and Tom Brady shot a par three from Nance's backyard where okay. he recreated one of the par threes. Par threes and and yeah. I mean, literally to a tee, to the pine cones and everything. It's sitting out there well, like that. He would know because he's been there for- For quite some yeah, time. Yeah. So um, they talk about, a, I think in the, the series, full swing, how when players show mm-hmm. up, they're superstitious uh, at the Masters about their number. Were you a superstitious person when you played? Well, I when I won, I got nineteen. The my my money clip was nineteen. <laughs> I and, still remember it. And Cass's birth date was nineteenth. You know, so and all the balls that I play with right now yeah. are nineteen. You all know, right. so they, so that's my favorite number. So okay. you know, and I always look for it. This year I missed it by I think I was I was eighteen. I think you know, and and uh, I wanted nineteen again, but it didn't happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also. You know, marking the ball on, on the greens, you know, you, you either put it on heads mm-hmm. or tails, or you have a special coin that you mark it all the time. A lot of players have their own coins, you know, that they've used forever and ever. So, you know, I just mark with the quarter and make sure that, you know, it's a good good number. <laughs> it's, the date on it is good, you know, it's either 64 or 65 or something like that. You know, if I see one that is a 79 or an 80, I, I yeah, trade yeah, away. I don't want that no, one. Get that one away. Yeah. Get that away from me. <laughs> so you and, you and Cass, speaking of Cass, you guys just recently won the PNC mm-hmm. golf tournament. Congratulations Thank on that. You, what yeah. is it like playing with your son on a tournament like that and going out there and winning that competition in a field that was Pretty, pretty darn, good, yeah. pretty darn good. Well, we played for the first time. I think we played. He was thirteen, and oh. you know, I got him. I got him back playing again. But uh, we tried for sixteen years. You know, we did everything. We finished second, third, fourth, <laughs> fifth, sixth, but never won. Came close to a few times, but uh, uh, but last year was fun. Um, you know, I was playing pretty good, and he actually played really well. Um, he putted un- unbelievably. So for him to do that and. And, you know, he hit two of the best shots I've seen anybody hit on three and 14. And, you know, that was, that was incredible, you know, and uh, I was, it's, you know, father and son is a very unique tournament. Mm -hmm. It's uh, actually, it's not father and son anymore. It's, you know, I don't know what they call it. Father and sibling. PNC, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, To spend time with Cass, I mean, you know, and he's, any kid that is 14, 15, 16, they don't want to spend more than an hour with their, with their dad, you know? But I'm he, living it right now. He, he is forced to spend <laughs> three, four days with me. I mean, we do everything together. We play practice round together. So he would never do that otherwise. So a lot of fathers out there, and, and you know, that have their kids playing with them, they just love it. I mean, because it gets, you know, you, you kind of bond in a different yeah. way, you know? So that was good. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's awesome. Anytime I get a chance to get out on the green with my son, it's right. always a, a fun time and definitely embrace that. Right. And then you learn, you know, you you know, even if you're, if, if Cad, my son, I mean, he, he learned the way I think on the golf course differently than, you know, and, and we, we treat them differently as well. I mean, you know, Competition is competition, so they know how how we think. Then you know, it's not just going out there and just having a round of golf. You know, if they they actually learn how we think as well, so which is good. Yeah, that's great to be able to pass that down. You know, one of the one of the final questions as I wrap this up here. You know, when you put on that green jacket, how like was that a was that a, a vindicating moment for you? 
Like, how did that feel? I mean, you'd already won so much, but yeah. we're talking the master. You just said it. There's no place like the masters. Like, right, what right. What did that, was that like a weight lifted off your shoulder? Like, I finally did it? Or, you know, what was the feeling when you got there? I don't that? know. I mean, it's hard to sell, you know. I mean, it's, uh, I got to think back and <laughs> try to remember what happened. But, you know, you get, you are, you are so excited. You're overwhelmed with everything, you know. The, the excitement kind of blurs your mind a lot, you know. And I, I think at that moment, it was, it was the most, you know, most exciting thing you've ever done in mm -hmm. your life, you know, no matter what it is, because in front of everybody, you know, you, you're putting on the green jacket is fine, but to know that you are actually putting on the green jacket and that's yours and it's never going to be taken away, that's, uh, I think, a feeling that I, it's hard to describe. It's just a, a, a satisfaction, I think, you know, a self-satisfaction, sure. you know, that I've done it. Yeah, know? like a level yeah, of completeness, yeah. like I've arrived. Yeah, right. I got to ask you a question. It drives me out every time. How did the damn jacket fit? Like, how did they make that fit on you? How well, did they, they get it to look like that? Because not all golfers <laughs> are built the same. Well, they have so many of those jackets, so many of members there that have different sizes and different weights and different, yeah. you know, so they're going to pick out a, a member that is your height. Yeah, they're going to borrow they're one gonna, from someone gonna else gonna that fits your, one. Okay, yeah. that makes so a little more sense. Yeah, and then, you know, you get to keep the jacket for a year. Okay. which is good, and now you take it home, and then you have to give it back to them. Really? Yeah, you don't yeah. get to keep the jacket? No, and it's uh, it's always in the locker room. Okay. Yeah, so whenever you, whenever I go there, you know, if I went there socially, I have to put the jacket on and go around the golf uh, clubhouse. So okay. I went there in a cocktail one year after I had won, and I had my own jacket on, and, you know, I, it was a cocktail on a Wednesday of the Masters. So I was kind of mingling with the crowds and the guys came up to me and says, uh, we need to talk to you. And I, and I said, sure. So I went inside and they said, you need to change your jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to put the green jacket on, you know, so, which is fine, yeah. you know, yeah. But uh, you're like, I've been looking for it. You had it locked yeah. up. Otherwise I'd have put it on when but I got it, here. No, it was in my lockers. <laughs> but, um, uh, but that's, uh, that's fun, you know. Now, is that one of the only, that's only one of the only, I guess, golf, championships you win that you have to give back the trophy of some sort like is there another one that's like that or is that no all all the tournaments you keep you get to keep it for a year okay yeah and uh you i i think the masters do not have they have a trophy that which is so huge but they have a little one that you can take back a replica of the, mm -hmm. of the main cup and i have that at home okay yeah but uh the u.s the pga the huge cup they have i had to keep that for a year and then give, and it, give back. it back yeah wow and, I think the British and the U.S. Open has the same thing. So. Wow, man, that's a that's a funny story about the jacket. I never knew that. I was always wondering. I'm like, how the hell did they get that? They just tailor that thing in 24 no, hours. No, no, they, they they've got so many of those, you know. So no, you just borrow one from somebody else. So. Well, you know, it's mentioning that uh, you know we're on Father's Day weekend, so mm -hmm. happy Father's Day, by Thank the you, way. You Thanks for joining us on the podcast and yeah. you know sharing some of your stories, portion of your career. Uh, it's an honor to have you on here. And, you know, the biggest takeaway I took away from today was, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a golfer. It doesn't matter whether you're a business person, you're in sales. That practice, that practice is something that not everybody wants to embrace as right. part of the success. You clearly did that. You've had a wonderful career and uh, and it showed up in so many different yeah. ways. And again, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. No problem. Last nice question. Yeah, last question I'm going to leave you with. What's the one more course, if you had a chance to play it, you'd want to go play it again? Play it again. Wow. I'd like to go back and play my own golf course in Fiji, really. <laughs> <laughs> the, way I, the, way, the way I grew up on it. Yeah. You know, I went back there quite a few times, but it's, it's, it's a trash course right now. Nobody takes care of it. I would like to go back and play the golf course that I actually grew up on, you know. 
That that is one, and obviously my last game of golf, I would like to play in Pebble. I think. You there know? You go. Yeah, that's that's one golf course that that is above everybody, else, everyone else. Yeah. Well, maybe one day I'll get a chance to get out there and kind of see what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, you you'd love it. I mean, yeah. it's going a good weather though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make note of that. It could get cold there. <laughs> I'll make note of that. Well, guys, if you like what you're hearing, five star of the podcast. Please leave a review. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon, and then also check us out on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Leave the comments. We love them. It helps us make the next show. And check us out on our social at What's Your One More with the number one. VJ Honor, thank you for having me on the show today. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Thanks. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah